Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Swinmurn, otherwise known as Coast Talk. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. Whether it's sports, tech, food, fitness, I've got a bunch of passions. I've also been fortunate enough to invest in some of my favorite sports teams. Along the way, I've met a bunch of great people, whether athletes, entrepreneurs, executives, and we hope to dive into their stories on our show. You'll hear backstories, successes, and failures throughout our discussions. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy listening to the show. This is Coast Talk Talk. Welcome to Coast Talk Talk. Today, we're joined by Yauchi, the founder of Altlayer. Yauchi, welcome to the show. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Thanks for the invite. I, I believe it will be a great talk. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to to learning a lot. I think it's uh, you know, it's going to be some really interesting stuff. Um, to start, do you want to give a quick uh, background introduction on yourself? You can start as as far back as you want. You know, kind of where you're from, how you got into this space. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, actually, I I started um, I uh, doing research back in 2012. Uh, on peer-to-peer network consensus protocols and also um, these privacy technologies, um, like in Singapore, the National University of Singapore, and then I basically published a bunch of papers, like sort of uh, improving consensus protocols and also providing new privacy technologies uh, for blockchain um, projects or even in general for peer-to-peer networks. And then I sort of in back in 2015. Um, because our research lab, right, we are doing a lot of research around blockchains and uh, at that time really around Ethereum. So when Vitaly visited Singapore, our research lab hosted him like for 2015, 16, and 17. Uh, we thought the sort of the audience, right, from a small seminar room. And then, like, then we maybe sort of the uh, next year we went to this uh, conference room. And then 2017, we, we had to basically book a big ballroom and then still it's for people, you know, without yeah. the growth of Ethereum. And then since my research topic, right, is really around the scalability or scaling the public blockchains. And uh, then back in 2017, together with some friends, we co-founded Zilliqa. That's one of the first uh, public sharding blockchain, basically to, um, Per, uh, to provide high throughput blockchain for a lot of applications with a new smart contract language called Sela, a little bit formal, uh, verified programming language. And then like I was a co-founder and CTO in charge of the design implementation of the protocol. And basically we delivered the midnight and then the story, um, sort of, uh, back to 2019, end of 2019, uh, the Ethereum co-founder Gavin Wu reached out to me and then I basically he asked me to help him to grow the parity ecosystem as a general manager. And then for the past two years, basically, I work with Gavin and some other colleagues at Parity by running a bunch of boot camps and accelerators to help projects to grow on the technical BD and the marketing side. Yeah, and then by the end of um, I sort of last year, and uh, we started earlier. Yeah, so that that's sort of the story, right, for me and also for the project. And right now we are still trying to find a lot of partners. And meanwhile, we already have some good backers like Polychain, Jump Capital, and also Black Capital, and also good NGOs like um, like Balaji, uh, Circle Founder, uh, Misari Founder, and the Synthetics. Um, 
my co-founders. Yeah. And so that that's sort of the story. Yeah. That was a lot of detail. A lot of detail for 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 the intro. Um, I was taking notes, trying to trying to follow it. So I'll, I'll I'll have some questions that just literally come from like a, and I think it'll be interesting for the audience of like explaining basic concepts, right? And then and then mm-hmm. some go a little farther into it. Um, but first, how did you? What made you want to start researching peer to peer networks in the first place? Like, why did you? Why did you get into that? Yeah, the, the the thing is like um, uh, it, it was uh, quite fun. I mean, at the beginning, because like uh, since the undergraduate, I I started to do a lot of uh, computer security or or these kind of related uh, uh, studies and uh, and sort of analysis. And then when I started to do my PhD, right in in Singapore, and then I chose the topic really around this uh, kind of like privacy. And also the peer-to-peer network because, like, I started to do this uh, peer-to-peer like, sort of network by in 2014, and at that time I sort of um, tried to build some uh, privacy-enhanced peer-to-peer network using browsers. So basically, um, everyone browser we can together connect each other and form a peer-to-peer network to send the data and also to search and visit the website. Um, by getting the data from the other browsers, at the same time, uh, we can also ensure that there is no privacy leakage. Like basically, that's something I feel is really cool. Yeah, at that time, like um, the Chrome just uh, started to do this uh, one technology called WebRTC, and it allows browser to talk to other browsers. So I feel that it's really cool and to really build something. Like basically, can connect everyone's browser together, and then we can like sort of do something like IPFS at that time. And then, and then I started to uh, started to search around. I I know like the, the blockchain at that time is just a start of uh, Ethereum, right? So on top of Ethereum, you can start to build the programs using the Solidity. And then I just feel like at that time it's really cool to build this peer to peer network because you don't really need to rely on a central like sort of a server, centralized server. In that case, like one uh, like sort of user browser is done, but you can still get the data from the other guy's browsers. It's it's quite decentralized. It's really cool. And then like Ethereum came out, I just feel like Ethereum has a similar idea, but it's mainly on the execution part because you can deploy the smart contract or program. And then in that case, like your program can be run on different like manners. Yeah. Like, like right now, like they just uh, have, uh, they just had the merge, right? From the POW to POS. But by that time, it's still POW. So you have a lot of manners. The, the, the yeah. case that like, they just uh, have the distributed like computation. Yeah. I just feel like these ideas are really cool. And, uh, and basically I started to do a lot of research around that. And later I found that basically Ethereum is a little bit slow, right? So, you know, right, 15 transactions per second. But if we really want Ethereum or public blockchains as a global, I mean, world computer, definitely we need to uh, have a protocol to precise more transactions per second. In that case, I started to work on the like, scalability um, of the public protocols. That's how we like work on, uh, work on this uh, Zilliqa. Yes, we can precise like a few thousand transactions per second. Yeah, that, that's something I, I like from actually from the at the beginning, it's a real interest. I feel it's really cool. I started to do research after that, I published a bunch of papers. And then later on, 
we're just uh, trying to figure out like to solve the critical problems of the existing crypto space or blockchain space. And granular, as you can see, right, um, because I, I came from the academic background, so I really want to find the hard problems and try to find the solutions to these problems. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, as you can see, right, Zilika, and then right now, even earlier, we, we just trying to find the pinpoint of the applications or developers, and then we provide a better solution to, to address these uh, problems. Yeah. So problems, so there's, there's problems for developers, right? And then we always hear about the problem for end users or consumers. Yeah. Like, what, what is the big, like, how would you, like, summarize the, the biggest problem facing developers and also the biggest problem facing end users, right? Because end users, it's like, oh, security and, and there's so much fear. But, like, is it, like, kind of a, a very specific risk that everyone's working on? Or is there, like, when we figure out this thing and a new... A new, a new thing pops up and then we fix that thing and a new thing pops up. Like how, how complicated is it? I mean, it's very complicated, but like, is there a way to simplify it for so someone like me could understand, okay, this is the, this is what we're, this is the main problem. Yeah, uh, it's a really good question. I think, Nick, because uh, you already have so much experience and successful history in Web2, right? I probably just use some Web2 examples to explain to you. And in, okay. in the Web2, right, I, I think like by in like early uh, 2000, I, I, the first problem we need to fix to build a like, sort of website or application is really about the infra, right? The like, to be honest, uh, we don't really have a good hardware and the server is, uh, was very lousy, right? So you, yeah. you can only generate a static content. And then at that time, we, like, like developer or researcher just to try to come up with better hardware and then we have better, like, sort of cable and even fiber, right? And to solve the hardware problems. And on the server side, we also have, like, sort of better, um, like, uh, server uh, software. And uh, like it's NGX and then Apache, and later on we we also had different cloud services, right? AWS, Google Cloud, and uh, Microsoft Azure. And then on the on the like 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 the website or the client side, we have a sort of the browsers. And uh, early days, it's it's just like Netscape, right? And later we have uh, Chrome and uh, Firefox, and then we have Chrome. It just involved a lot. And meanwhile, like early days JavaScript and you have to load code in raw JavaScript. I, before that, no JavaScript, so everything is static. And later yeah. on, we have a jQuery and then have all the like, sort of frameworks like right now, React, JS, and Vue.js. It's a lot of like half hardware to software like developed a lot. And, and for blockchain, I think it's quite similar. It's just like we use different technologies. 2010, right, we, we got the Bitcoin, but it's only for this peer-to-peer uh, -peer payment. And uh, then back in 2015, right, things um, uh, improved because we have Ethereum. Ethereum can help people to like to redeploy like simple programs on top of Ethereum. And then uh, later on, we have all different uh, like L1 protocols to improve the throughput. And uh, uh, Ethereum right now also has these different rollups, right? And also has right to improve the sort of the throughput. It's sort of you can treat it as in the probably um, like we are right now still on the infra side, right? We are still trying to solve the throughput problem. We are, we are trying to have a better like server software, you know, uh, to really precise more transactions and handle more users. 
And uh, it's just like previously, one, ser- one application, one server, so it writes to this. But right now, it's sort of like you can one server to serve a lot of applications. So you really need to handle a lot of different issues for it. Um, and beyond that, as you mentioned, right, for developer, what's the biggest uh, issue for them? I think it's still about this uh, scalability. Um, uh, because like, you know, right, when we want to build application for developers, we, we really want some application to be really scalable, right? Handle a lot of users. If you can tell, if you can only tell me that I can, you can only precise like, uh, 15 transactions or probably 100 transactions per second. Definitely, I don't think I have do a lot of great applications on chain. So in that case, like, we definitely need to have, uh, high throughput. Uh, either the L1 protocol we call like Ethereum or Solana or the different uh, like chains, right? All we need to have a dedicated L2 or the scaling solution like all layers. Basically, it's a dedicated environment or like sort of the dedicated blockchain server for your application. So it can help you to handle a ton of thousand transaction requests per, per second and can help you to handle many of uh, users every day, right? That would be yeah. great. Uh, once we have the that sort of the the protocol or the service can handle a lot of users to solve to address the scalability issue, and uh, I think that would be definitely unleash a lot of potential for the developers and applications. Uh, yeah. And then regarding the users, I probably as you mentioned, the security definitely is the biggest concern for them. Not just yeah. about the other user. Even for myself, I got uh, wrecked by a lot of DeFi protocols. You know. They just oh. got hacked and exploited <laughs> by the attackers. But, but you know, right? It, 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 because for smart contracts, sometimes it's very difficult to audit it because like you have to upgrade to add new features. And basically for every upgrade, you have to have proper audit. Even you have proper audit, there's still probably some other uh, channels for the attackers to hack. Yeah, so it's very difficult like, to really make your smart contract uh, bulletproof. And then beyond yeah. that, I think really it's about like we need to lower the barrier for ordinary people to use crypto applications. Yeah, I, I, I watched your podcast, right? You just had uh, like, sort of the, the sh- uh, like, sort of the chat with the uh, warriors um, like people, yeah. right? Um, yeah. like for example, Dubai tickets. I don't think um, like mobile users really really know like what's Ether, what's Bitcoin. Like they don't really have the gateway to buy the crypto and then buy the ticket. The best way that still they use credit card to buy the ticket, but everything happening on chain. But we don't really have such user interface yet. It, it, as you can see, right when users want to use blockchain application, they have to first install MetaMask. Yeah, install the mobile application and then do the on run. They need to exchange fiat into some crypto, yeah, Bitcoin or Ether or even UIDC, right? It takes time. Yeah. And uh, for most of our users, you don't understand why I want why I need to do this. Yeah. And after that you need to click your MetaMask and then to uh, to do the payment. It just like the it, it's very lengthy. At the same time it's it's a little bit difficult like to um, uh, educate like like people to use this kind of crypto payment or the services. So I yeah. think that's still the biggest uh, I mean hurdle right now when we onboard I mean normal users to use crypto applications. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. So that was actually super helpful. So you know, so 
to me, it sounds like the, the three main issues from just super simple, someone like me understanding is the first thing we're doing is on the back end, we're trying to make, we're trying to prepare for the future, right? So we're trying to yeah. be able to get to the point where when the masses are there and there's more activity, we're not going to break. We're going to be able to handle all that activity yeah. and we're going to be able to do it quickly. And then security is, that's, so that's like a future. We're, we're trying to stay ahead of the future. And then the middle one is security. We're just trying to make sure in the now, right? We're secure yeah. and no one can get in and mess anything up. And then on the front end, we're trying to make sure that as more people find it, we have to make sure that it can be secure and scalable, but also that should all be, the, the front end user should be unaware of the complexity of any of this, right? And so that's- Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So so it really is, yeah, it's all, it's like you guys are, you're like in a race against time. You're, you're basically trying to, you're, you're doing all the work to make sure that we as regular users don't think that anything is happening, <laughs> which is, which is, which is pretty interesting. I, so layer one, layer two, is it my, my understanding, which could be totally wrong, right? Is that as a user right now, which is probably part of the thing I have to make, I have to take action, right? I need to, I need to transition yeah. from layer one to layer two. And the entire app, right, or project would live on. They have, they have to make a choice as a developer. What what layer am I going to build on, and what layer am I going to ask my audience to come to? Is there is it possible where it's like, as a user, I'm on Ethereum, and certain processes are taking place on a layer two, but I'm unaware of it, or do I have to know that I'm on a on on layer two? Because even for me, like even even switching sometimes. To poly, I actually don't even think I've ever switched to Polygon because I think I started the process. I don't even know if it was an open C or a wallet. And I was like, I can't figure this out. And I had a, comp- a friend, a company, they used Immutable. And mm-hmm. um, they were just kind of like, oh, it's really hard for the users, even you know, people that were quote unquote, you know, savvy enough to use, you know, to buy NFTs, they couldn't figure out how to get onto Immutable. So it, does, it, does it have to be one or the other? Like if everyone picks, if everyone creates their own their own uh, private blockchain. Does that mean, as a user, I'm? It's almost like um, I'm, I'm changing something every time I go from one place to the next, or will it all be seamless in the future? Um, yeah, I, it's it's a great like observation. So right now, like uh, when you want to uh, move assets right from one uh, place to another place, typically from one L1 to another L2, or from the uh, another L1, right? Um, typically, you use a bridge. Like, it's sort of like help you to bridge assets from one place to another place. Um, why it's uh, rightly complicated, it's, uh, it's really uh, related to uh, security. Um, because as you know, right, in, in crypto, like everything, when you, uh, it requires you to click the button to basically approve the transaction. Yeah, it's not like Web2. Web2, like once you give the permission to the application, it will just handle or have the access to everything around you, every piece of data. But on crypto, yeah. like basically every time um, you want to basically move one asset, even like 0.1 Ether or something, you it, it still requires your sort of signature, the, the digital signature from your, your wallet. Um, that that that's why it's uh, quite secure. But at the same time, as you can see, right, it creates a lot of hurdles for users to to really to move assets across different places. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think like like at the moment, I I, I don't think you have any like sort of good um uh, solutions to really avoid this kind of uh, um this kind of like operations or actions. But in the near future, right? At least on our side, we are trying to simplify it. I can give you one example. Uh, for example, we are providing a NFT tailored like sort of a skating solution. So in that case, right? You know, right? For a lot of uh, NFT. Um, project, right? They want to do the NFT mint or NFT sale, right? On our side, we just need to sort of uh, submit the, like, sort of the pictures and uh, a bunch of uh, metadata and uh, necessary information. And then on our side, we just need to click a bunch of buttons on the dashboard. So we just spin off this uh, dedicated layer. Um, it's quite similar to AWS Instant, but it's more decentralized. And then the users will just need to click on their like sort of website, like Mint or whatever, sale. And after that, we will just wrap up everything and then roll up to Ethereum. So um, then the user will directly receive the NFT on their Ethereum wallet. So you don't really need to do bridge at all. So okay. then you get the NFT and then you can trade on OpenSea or whatever. Yeah, so that's something we already have and we are trying to provide uh, that better uh, experience, a better uh, utility in the near future. For example, we can sort of uh, support multi-chains. So that means um, different chain like Polygon or BNB, you can do the mint, but in the end, the MT will be delivered to your Ethereum wallet. Because you know, right, the best liquidity is still on the Ethereum's OpenSea. Yeah. Yeah, so you still want to do the trading there. That, yeah. That's something I basically we we talk to a lot of MT projects and uh, we try to get their points, you know, and yeah. then that, that's why we have the current solution and just try to um, give this kind of solution to an NFT project or even game projects. Yeah. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's because that's the, um, that's the, what's the word, conundrum, if that's the word, but that's the challenge, right, for the project is like you look at all these, all these benefits of this, but the values, you know, the end user values over here. And so I think that's, um, that's really yeah, interesting. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's also like, it's kind of a trip for, um, you know, it's like blockchain is more secure in ways, but then it's scarier for the end user. So really, you know, the, the hard truth about it, right, is the biggest risk is the individual. And so it's kind of funny where you're like, we want more independence, we want more security, but then you really, it's like kind of realizing like, oh crap, I'm the liability. Like, I might yeah. click. I might click the wrong thing, and like people have a really hard time with like they want control, but they don't want responsibility. And so it's that's a it's it's a really weird like even you know you see on Twitter right people will be like yeah oh I got rugged and it's like well, what happened oh well I I saw this thing and I cl- and I and I clicked it or I thought <laughs> it was true and it's like yeah. it's like that weird tire, right? yeah. yeah and it's it's one of those things where it's easy to say when it's someone else like oh well well that was your fault. You cl- you shouldn't have clicked it, right? But then people are getting yeah. so good at disguising things that when it happens to you, it's like that wasn't my fault. But then someone on the outside. Is, uh, so, anyways, let's say um, yeah, that's sort of the yeah. yeah as you mentioned, right? It's the beauty of uh, crypto blockchain. So, as you uh, the, the the thing like in Web two, right? We give out everything, every piece of information of ourselves, right, to some big third party like Meta or Google and then have the full control. But in crypto or blockchain, right, basically 
with our own private key, we have the full control of our data assets. It's just as you mentioned, right? Uh, for most of people, we don't understand. Not, not everyone is an expert, right? Even you are the expert, you still don't have the time to recheck every transaction. So that's yeah. why we need really some sweet spot in between. Like we need like a kind of application or middleware to help people to interpret like, like sort of what kind of transaction it is. Like for example, yeah. interpret into human language. Like this transaction is for this particular application and then for this particular purpose and then whether you want to approve or not, something like that. Yeah, but right now, yeah. as you know, right, it's uh, we don't really have the middle ground yet. Yeah, yeah, which is such an exciting opportunity because that really is. I hadn't really thought of it until you know this conversation and kind of the way you you phrase things is that is you know this big question of like when you know is the blockchain like the next phase you know the next phase of the internet for everyone or will there be too much? It's it's really just um, inevitable, right? We got something new that was exciting to people with a certain knowledge or perspective, but it can only achieve the goals they have for it with the masses. And so I could never really understand. I mean, I could understand. I always saw it as, well, I thought it was confusing. But once I became familiar with it, it became less confusing and less intimidating. And so you start to think, so why can't everyone just have that experience? But then you realize, no, that yeah. experience is pretty tricky. So no, this is actually really, really exciting. What When you started... um. When you started researching, did you always have a goal of starting a company, or were you more like, um, what did you what did you see yourself, you know, when what did you what did you see yourself doing for a career when you, when you started? Um, I, actually, for myself, because like uh, it's really about uh, the personality. For myself, I I um, I always uh, prefer um, like sort of finding the hard problems and then. Um, like researching the solutions uh, to address that kind of problem. And um, and basically, as I mentioned, right, like 10 years ago, my main research, I mean, my main interest actually really around building some cool stuff around the peer-to-peer network, right? And yeah. then like, we figured out that scalability issues around blockchain, to be honest, for the past uh, few years, right? All my uh, either... Uh, companies or startups or even some of my advised uh, like sort of companies um, like a lot of things are just around this uh, solving uh, scalability issues or addressing the privacy issues so that that's mainly like sort of from my interest um, yeah. and then over over that path right so at the beginning it's really about sort of like research I really want to publish more research papers and then then we, we sort of I can address the problem, right? And then some researchers can can, can basically see it and appreciate it and uh, and basically beyond that they can sort of um, also create their own, own research based on my results, right? But granted I figure out like uh, the best way really is just to build some product uh, in the industry so people can directly use in that case, uh, in research, probably you can only uh, um, like sort of impact probably 100 people. But in the industry, easily you can impact from millions of people, right? That, that's sort of something like um, once I find the solution, it will be great. Like I can really uh, benefit um, more users or more people uh, in the world. So that's why like back in 2017, I, I basically <clears throat> took the step I basically from uh, the academia to the industry. 
Uh, at that time, to be honest, I already got some offers on the faculty position. But then I talked to my wife, and I just tried to um, try to get her understanding, you know, because like like for us, like faculty job is always a very steady, uh, you know, right. Steady yeah. job and uh, <clears throat> with a very good salary, something like that. But but then you know, right? Startup, nothing is uh, predictable. So <laughs> yeah. But anyway, at that time, I think I was brave to uh, brave to make the step, and then from the uh, sort of academia to the industry, and then I think it was really a good idea. I mean, in crypto space, because uh, as you can see, right, in crypto blockchain space, almost every day. We have so many new things to learn. It's it's just like I feel like it's it's more like uh, challenging and uh, competitive in crypto industry compared to um, sort of the life and the research in academia. So that's something I really enjoy in this uh, crypto industry. Basically, I can learn more and then basically I can talk to industry people and also some researchers and just yeah. to figure out the, the the best way or the cutting edge solutions to address the existing uh, sort of problems. But as you can see, right, um, from time to time, the topic or, or the problems I'm trying to solve, even the, all of them actually around the scalability, but still they're a little bit different. Different, yeah. like, like back in 2017, I wanted to build a high throughput public L1. But right now, as I share with you, right, we are basically building some application customized scaling solution. You can see the like, sort of the, the shapes, right? It basically from a general purpose L1, but now we are really trying to build some application targeted uh, or application centric solutions just for like the popular applications. Because yeah. like, um, like, like in early days, right? But five years ago, we feel like there are no application. There are no application to be honest. And then a single chain, we, we believe that a single chain can really handle most of the application. But right now, as you can see, right, all the L1s, even like a lot of them are quite high throughput, but still, if you find, if you have a lot of popular applications with a million user, right, uh, it, it can easily congest uh, the existing L1s because like, you have to compete against the other applications. So in theory, like one chain or one sort of this uh, backend can really not handle like probably a like, million of applications if the applications have a million of users, right? In that case, definitely for the popular application, you need your dedicated execution environment or dedicated like sort of backend to handle your users and the requests. Yeah, that's something we feel that at the moment is really the pain point um, for, the, yeah. for right now and also for the next three to five years, yeah. So you just said so. So would it is it would it be true if I said that like L1 Ethereum is really like the um, from a user perspective the approach you're taking L1 can be my front end and L2 is is my back end like L2 is AWS and L1 can be my my browser is that is that what you're is that how seamless it'll be. Um- I, I can only give you my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but because current is still in the space, right? There are a lot of like different thoughts and opinions, and everyone has different like sort of thoughts, you know. And because still a lot of people still think that uh, one team can still handle all the applications, but to be honest, I don't know how. You know, once yeah. the application have many users. But but I think like I once like Ethereum, right? It's a great layer for 
sort of settlement. Settlement, I mean, like if you have a big chunk of uh, like sort of money, uh, like like crypto assets, right? To do the transfer, I think Ethereum is still good for that. But if you really want to do some heavy com- computation, like or all this high frequency, uh, like on chain transaction interaction, um, I think it would be great. Like you do it on L two because like. There are, I think, three points, right? The first one, uh, if you still want to do a lot of these uh, transactions on chain on Ethereum, it's just too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because the users need to interact with Ethereum, right? Every time, probably, it's been, like, even right now, you still need to spend around $1 or something. Yeah. yeah. And the second night, it may easily congest the network. Congest network means, like, a lot of users have to wait. Um like by default, it's 15 seconds, but once you have too many transactions to compete for the same block space, probably it will take um, a few minutes, right? And at yeah. the same time, if it's uh, too congested, right, sometimes cause a gas war, and then um, the gas, uh, I mean, the transaction fee will be even higher. And the third thing, like, um, like you know, right, for Ethereum itself, you don't really have a lot of customizations. As I just mentioned, right, the the, the cool features like, like we provide, right? You click a bunch of buttons, and then we uh, we we have all the asset back to Ethereum, and the the users don't really have any like sort of uh, um, that experience on the bridging stuff. That that thing is really need some customizations on the layer two. You cannot do it on Ethereum or different L1s. So that's yeah. why you really need a dedicated layer. I think your your understanding is. Quite right, yeah. On uh, Ethereum, probably we do the settlement or some big payment, but then like you can treat L two really as a backend for a lot of applications. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that makes so sorry makes sense. So so if one if layer if a layer one were to try to do a bunch of complex calculations, it was just going to get overloaded. So potentially we could in the future, you know, layer one would just take one function like settlements. They would do as much of that as possible. All the complex stuff would happen on layer twos. Hope from a user perspective, hopefully that would kind of be seamless. They wouldn't really be, they don't need to be aware of exactly, you know, what's happening. And then, so two questions. So would eventually will will on the layer twos, will it be like, do you think it'll be almost like um it's almost like the app store, right? You got all these layers and they're just like, this is a layer specific that does this, and they do they do this really well. So there's no need for someone to create another layer two that does this. And this layer two does that, or will it be, here's a whole bunch of layer twos. They all can do similar things. And it's just a branding game to developers that basically like, you know, oh, you prefer, you prefer AWS or what is it? Azure or whatever, like you, like that kind of thing. How will it? I, I think probably, probably like uh, L1 more like app stores, to be honest. Like, like, because L1 mainly general purpose, right? General purpose means it will just have uh, all the application. Right? For L2, I believe that uh, probably some of the L2 can be general purpose, but in the long run, as you mentioned, right? For application, probably every application needs its own backend, right? In that case, um, the application. Uh, I mean, users, I mean, the end customer, they don't care about what kind of backend you use, as you mentioned, right? AWS, uh, Google Cloud, Azure, they don't care. They read about the application itself. You can choose like earlier, you can choose some other L2s. It really depends on like, what kind of services you need and which sort of these uh, service provider gives you the best option and uh, with uh, rightly 
cheap cost, you know. And yeah. uh, at the same time, uh, another thing I want to highlight, um, yeah, it's, it's another feature or benefit you have is uh, the on-demand, like, like scaling or backend. You know, right, uh, every year we have the Black, Black Friday. And uh, definitely before Black Friday, a normal server, I mean, for the application should be fine. But for Black Friday, you definitely need to boost the server, you know. Probably yeah. previously you need 10 servers. Uh, for Black Friday, you need 30 servers. Yeah, that's something we can provide. Like normally, you just need to run one sort of the service we provide called Flash there. But like during Black Friday, you can spin off like multiple ones to handle the users. That's something hmm. I, I think is really cool and yeah, really necessary for a lot of applications because you don't need this kind of boost uh, all the time, right? It probably just for one day or for a short period of time, right? And uh, but but right now for most of the application, uh, I mean services, it just lasts like forever. You you have to set up your own chain, and typically yeah. it takes you like like a few months, and then you also need a dedicated team to do the maintenance. But on our side, like like we just provide a on demand scaling part for you. But but anyway. Uh, it's it's something as I mentioned, right? I, I believe like for each app, you need your own backend. But at the same time, like once you have your own backend, right? Probably due to the uh, brand and also marketing stuff, and then you can choose a different L one at the app store. Yeah, L one yeah. for the settlement for the end settlement, as I mentioned, right? You will probably want all your NFT back to Ethereum for easy yeah. trading on OpenSea. Yeah, something like that. So in theory, if you get, as you get more and more people using AltLayer to do these things, and then you kick the output to Ethereum, you over time can say, "Hey, we're already we're doing all this. Now we can introduce our own layer one, and we could incentivize you to have the end the output be there instead of Ethereum." Or, or no, that would just that wouldn't that wouldn't make sense. Like as you look, when you look like way down the line, like who is there? Is it will it always be led by the front, or can someone come and do all the you know behind the scenes stuff, and then have such a you know so much activity happening that they can kind of dictate uh, a new a new L one? Yeah, based on my experience, because previously I also like built L one before, right, or helped a bunch of L ones before. The, the the thing is, like right now, I feel the Ethereum has the biggest network effect. Yeah, yeah. if uh, uh, if you look at the number of applications, right, I think Ethereum has over 80 or even 90 percent of the market share of all the decentralized applications. It's it's just very difficult for you to replace, even for some popular applications like X Infinity, even like some triple A games, right? Even uh, like sort of the uh, you have some Warcraft game, but I don't think. Yeah. Warcraft uh, issue an L1, it will attract all the application developers from Ethereum. So that's something like on our side, right? We we just trying to be a, a very good like sort of application tailored uh, L2 um, like, sort of scaling solution provider, and we we just try to attract as many uh, developers or applications as possible. And then we can help them and providing the service is similar to AWS or the cloud services uh, provider, right? They don't really do the app store. They, they just are focusing on their infrastructure. Yeah, that's something I think we are good at. But at the same time, as, uh, as you mentioned, right? If some like sort of application, they really want to build their own L1, uh, we can also help, but I don't recommend 
because in the end, right, it's really about the network effect. If you already have a dedicated uh, backend to handle your users and transactions, it would be great, like, you can just, uh, in the end, have all the assets to be on a popular L1. In that case, I think for the user, right, it's also relatively easy for them to accept uh, this kind of uh, um, nice, uh, that sort of way to handle their assets. Yeah, if, okay. if like everything like that sort of stay on their dedicated L1, it will have similar problem as you mentioned at the beginning. They have to bridge the asset back to Ethereum. Okay. Some other yeah, services. yeah, that makes sense. So that's where I was getting lost. So basically, so the original thing we talked about was we solved the bridging problem by go. You know, the, the consumer has no idea what's going on behind the scenes. They just see everything yeah. on Ethereum, and then. That's 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 happening. You, you can do that, but it would be much more difficult for the consumer to have things happening on multiple L1s at the same time. Yeah, and have a, that's really tough. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. The um. So so last question on this because I know I keep I keep talking about this one time, but 10, 15 years from now, mm. will Ethereum be the dominant L1? Mm, I, I think so. I think so. Because like um, on L1, if we just talk about L1, because there are multiple roles in the crypto space. Like, for example, apart from L1, right, we also have payments of Bitcoin. It's still there. And then we also have some L0, like these uh, cross-chain underlying protocol like Cosmos Protocol. They are not real L1. If we just talk about L1, I, I think Ethereum already has the uh, uh, network effect. Unless yeah. there's some like crazy things happen, um, but <laughs> I don't think yeah. that's a way because okay. like there's a bunch of scaling solutions around Ethereum, you know. Um, so so like like for the scaling for the rollout solution, we are building like uh, layer two solution for Ethereum, and uh, it, it sort of like help Ethereum to solve the throughput and scalability issue. And there are also some bunch of like uh, privacy solutions. And in the future, right, more the other like game social application, they can just use our L2s, right? So then basically in the end can benefit like. Uh, that's sort of Ethereum, but but it's really about the market share of uh, decentralized application because people granularly accept uh, the solidity is sort of the programming language for like decentralized application. It's quite similar to JavaScript uh, to to Web two, you know. Yeah. Even JavaScript is not good programming language, but once a lot of users started to use use it, right? It's very straightforward. It's very simple, and then like it's very difficult for you to change the developers' like sort of um, developing habit. Um, it's quite similar to Ethereum and also Solidity. Um, but if you look at market cap, right? I think it's another story. Definitely, we have so many chains and so many L ones, and they definitely have a lot of uh, sort of a uh, share. I mean. If you look at the market cap, it's it's another story. But for the developer, like sort of a market, I think uh, Ethereum probably is still the biggest one. Yeah, after yeah. like ten years or something. Yeah. And then on the back end, will there be a couple? Like, will Altlayer be like AWS, and there'll be a couple of big ones, or is it something where there will be, a, you know, dozens and dozens of companies all kind of like competing competing with each other is it a is it a race right now to be the one or is it a race right now to be like you know everyone's kind of carving out different different areas yeah it's uh the the, the thing is like right now building infra is still quite challenging 
Um, so typically, when you um, when you start to build uh, these kind of L ones or L two, right, it would be great. Like you have some uh, sort of uh, PEDs or researchers in your team. There are a lot, bunch of these uh, technical challenges you have to address, especially provide some uh, special like features. For us, like both EVM and WASM compatible, and we are also trying to roll out to multiple uh, like EVM and also WASM chains. These things are quite unique in the space. So we need uh, like lots of uh, great researchers and also very experienced engineers in the team. Yeah, that's something like uh, we need to figure out. There are a bunch of research we still need to do. I mean, not just for us. Like, as you mentioned about competitor, right? I, right now in the space, I think, like, for example, as you mentioned, right, the youth bikes or Starware, they, they definitely also want to, uh, they're also wanting to like, basically provide some scaling solution for the application. It's just like it's a ZK approach and, uh, and uh, the developer have to code using their own programming language called Carol. And, uh, and it's not EVM compatible. You cannot directly deploy solid contract uh, on their like, sort of uh, layer. So I would say we definitely have um, some uh, advantages over the existing solutions. But at the same time, um, as you can see, right, it's still uh, it's still quite early. Yeah, I would say for the next three to five years, probably we can see a paradigm shift from the fat protocol thesis to fight application thesis. Yeah, so it's just like sort of the start for the next cycle, I would say. And because right now we only see a few popular applications, but I believe for the next three to five years, we definitely will see more and more applications with millions of users. In that case, um, they definitely are dedicated backends like us. Yeah. Yeah. So always being so far ahead, like, you know, you start researching in 2012. You've got the conference in 2015 with Vitaly and 2016-17. Like, you're always so far ahead. Do you have an example of something that you thought was going to happen that, that didn't happen? Or a direction you thought things were going to go that, that it didn't go? To be honest, I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really about the Web3 application. I, I thought we can have something back in 2018 or 2019. I mean, the... The web, uh, web three application, I mean, like normal application, probably like social application, um, like decentralized Twitter or this kind of decentralized uh, Uber. I thought we will, we will have something, um, that happened by in 2018 or 19, but actually yeah. we didn't see it. Um, yeah, I, I believe it's really about the infrastructure is not that scalable. Um, and then right now, realistically, I, I just feel that for that kind of uh, very advanced uh, Web3 applications, probably it would just um, come out once all the like, scaling solution ready and very easy for developer to use. And then probably like within five years or yeah, then, then we can, we can have something like that. Because as you can see, right, right now for crypto and the blockchain space, right, we only have uh, crypto users, to be honest. The crypto yeah. users are quite different from, I mean, the, the web two users, I mean, the mobile user, right? Mobile yeah. users, like, you tend normal people, they don't really have crypto app in their mobile. Yeah. And uh, if we really want to have uh, that proper web three world, that means um, when you open your mobile phone, right, there will be several, I mean, Web3 applications. Even 
it is Web3 application is running on top of a blockchain, but the users don't know it's on top of a blockchain. Yeah. So it, be, it should be something like we want, right? So it's really like Web3 application running on top of blockchain and then the user really have the ownership of the data and assets. That's also something we really want in Web3. But yeah. I just feel like due to various reasons, right? As we discussed, like uh, scalability, security, and also the user experience, these are really the big hurdles um, like for developers um, like to build great application. And then we don't really have a lot of the non-web users in the space at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see any scenario where we just can't solve those problems and we go backwards and new users never never get Web3? Or is it just like, it's inevitable, it's going to happen, it's just a matter of when? I think it will happen. It's just like the that kind of social application won't be like Twitter or won't be like Uber. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just like um, uh, in Web1, we, don't, we, we didn't know what kind of Web2 applications. Like when we got the Yahoo, we probably see Yahoo was the best. And nothing yeah. will be better than Yahoo, but then we got Google and then Facebook yeah. and then Twitter. It's just like, I feel like we will have the crypto native social application, crypto native, like these kind of uh, normal utility applications. Yeah. Um, but, but it won't be as the same as Twitter or Uber we are using at the moment. Yeah, that's yeah. something I think probably together we can figure out like for the next uh, five years or something. Uh, down yeah. the road, um, but but really before that we need really to have the infrastructure ready. Otherwise, yeah. I don't think the developer can build anything uh, around that. Yeah, yeah, it's a little tricky, right? Because you know, there's the question of okay, when this happens, will it be Twitter and you know Facebook? They'll just they'll just convert what they have into a Web three model, and as a user, you'll just be like, oh, I've always used Twitter, and now it's now it's Web three. Yeah. <laughs> Or will it be a new startup? But they both have the same challenge, right? Because the new startup can't gain can't gain enough market share until the you know everything's seamless and that and that it's easy enough for people. But then the That's incumbent, true. it's not worth them trying to transition everyone until it's so it's this weird thing where like it's an opportunity for startups right now because it's not easy for Twitter to just transition everyone. But then it's kind of they're limited because you know it's it's, it's a really interesting. Um, it's really I my. From listening to this, my hunt, my I was just thinking to myself, well, here's what's going to happen. In three years, we're going to get the iPhone 18 or whatever, and most of us aren't going to know. It's just going to be like, hey, the iPhone 18, Web 3 phone, and we're going to be like, what? And the setup is going to be a little bit of a pain in the ass because we're going to be like, it's going to ask us for these extra steps, but behind the scenes, those extra steps are just going to convert everything we're doing onto onto the blockchain or something like that, right? That'll yeah, yeah. I think it will be a new form. Uh, similar, like even we 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 thought like uh, Facebook or or these kind of Instagram, uh, like sort of they are they are the best, right? Then we got TikTok, yeah. yeah. TikTok basically uh, over to everything. But later, I think we will, we just have a new form of social um, social applications. Uh, probably as you mentioned, right? Everything backend running on top of blockchain, but user don't yeah. know. But definitely, it's a new form of social application. Yeah. So we're gonna have a we're gonna have the alt layer phone. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Maybe not alt layer phone, alt layer glass or something. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I just realized in the logo the reason I asked so many uh, layer one questions is because the T has like a subliminal one in it, and so I think it just keeps 
it keeps tricking my mind into asking uh asking where one <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah, yeah yeah so no well, this is great i really um i really enjoyed the conversation i don't know if i'm you know if i sounded confused but you helped me get a lot more clarity on things there's things that i couldn't even begin to there's things that i couldn't even begin to try to explain that now at least i can explain at a very basic level even though part of what i'm explaining i'm probably explaining wrong that was super helpful and i think it's really exciting as someone who's you know working on projects and the complexity and the confusion of like each thing it sounds like what you guys are um what you guys are working on obviously you've been you've been years ahead but what you're working on will should play a really big role in um in making this whole thing seamless both for you know developers and and consumers so that's um that's really exciting and i appreciate you having the patience to sit here and explain these things to me and some of the stuff i have to explain it a couple a couple times but it was uh it was great is there anywhere um anything else you, you wanted to discuss or anywhere you want to direct people to to find out more information or where they can follow you yeah thanks for your kind words and uh, yeah i really appreciate your question i think all of them are really good and uh yeah if if you if like the audience want to find more information just visit allier.io and uh or you can just uh, follow our twitter we um basically our team um are invited to speak at a bunch of uh, like big conferences like this ECC, Missarmen Night, and uh, soon we will uh, go to uh, Columbia for the DevCon. We will speak there if you like sort of around, like just feel free to say hi. And meanwhile, we also like uh, we're also judging a bunch of the EC events like East Berlin, East Lisbon. If you are a developer, just feel free to um, like come to these places and. Uh, and we can definitely provide more information on earlier. And uh, yeah, if you're building something, right, you are trying to scale your application to, to like cater for more users, just feel free to come out to us with the website and send email. And uh, we are always welcome all different applications to collaborate with. And um, yeah, the, like, like for the very first half a year, we just provide this uh, premium service for most of the partners. And uh, we really want to um, try to help as many applications to scale and to become the next uh, uh, Twitter or Facebook uh, in the crypto space. Yeah, that's something we really want to see. I mean, no. to really like have some super application to overtake the Web2 applications. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. The downside is now I'm going to sit here trying to brainstorm brainstorm ideas. But uh, <laughs> but that's uh, no, that's awesome. And so yeah, anyone listening, reach out, uh, take advantage, find out more, and if you get a chance, rate, review, subscribe, share this episode. Lots of great information in there, and uh, lots more inspiration for people out there listening to to start building. There's a big opportunity ahead. We're not we're not we're not 2012 early, but we're still early. And you can still uh, you can still do some great things. So, anyways, appreciate you uh, appreciate you coming on the show, and I uh, really really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Nick. Yeah, great great chatting with you. Cool, awesome, thanks. 